Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. 855, the number 4 G A R T E N. That is how you get in touch with us. Facebook and Twitter. It is Sports Garden G A R T E N. And make sure you hit the hashtag, hashtag S G N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can get in touch with us. Guys, let me tell you something. Oh, wow, did we have a crazy couple of weeks in the NFL. I mean, right now, you start to look at what we're looking at in the NFL, and it's absolutely insane, right? The Rams were the fifth 500 team or better to lose by 24 points last week. That's the most in NFL history. I mean, underdogs are rolling. All of a sudden, it's complete chaos. You know, I I went on to Twitter this week, and I I was sitting around, and one of the big topics were, Who is the MVP? Who's the MVP at this point in the season? And guys, I have to tell you, MVP at this point in the season for me, it's like Bill Belichick. Really, I don't think that anybody stands out. Look at all the names on top. They've all had bad games. They've all had bad losses. They've all had weird situations. It is a complete mess in certain spots, guys. And you start to look at the NFL overall and you start to go, okay, you know, who's the prevailing favorite team? I don't know if we have a prevailing favorite team. I don't know if we have anybody out there right now that you can say they don't have holes or they should be the favorite. I mean, it's changing week to week, which makes it really hard for us sports bettors. It makes it really difficult to get a handle because normally you sit back and you go, okay, I found a trend or I found a like, I found a team I'm going to ride or a team I'm going to ride against. Well, in this topsy-turvy NFL, it's absolutely crazy. So we have to be even more precision-based, and we have to be even more accurate on what we're doing. Look, I'm cleaning up. I really am, and and this isn't to brag. You guys can go check me out. Um, I'm having a good last two weeks. When the books have a good weeks, I usually do, and that's what this show is going to try to do, is kind of give you some insight as to how you can make money despite everybody else sort of uh, out there really losing money. So I don't want to waste a lot of time talking about what can be and what could be. Um, I want to get right into this. And at the end of the show, I'm going to give you a couple of just inside tips of a couple of games. I have three trends, basically, that I've been riding pretty much all season. I've been making money on almost every single week. You know, you're going to have the outlier here or there, but almost every single week, I'm making money on these trends. We're going to get to that later on in the show, but let's dive right in. And we're going to dive right in with the Thursday night game. Look, Patriots and Falcons, this is a good one. And let me tell you, just to start things off, Right at the top, you go, okay, Patriots are the hottest team in the NFL. Teron Matthew, you know, Honey Badger came out and he said, oh, man, you know, let's talk about uh, about Jones and Mac Jones isn't getting the love. And everybody's starting to go, well, wait a minute, here are the Patriots. Now, I've been saying that before the year. I had the Patriots making the playoffs. I've been saying before the year Belichick was going to get it right. But now the market has caught up to them. So the Patriots opening line was three and a half. It's up to seven, guys. I've seen it tip over to seven and a half. This is on the road. This is in a short week. This is against an Atlanta team that is four and five, but we'll get into all that. Now, from a betting perspective, purely betting perspective, let's just break this down and say, guys, look, this is a rookie quarterback. This is a rookie quarterback on the road. This is a rookie quarterback on the road on a short week. This is the Patriots that are absolutely the most talked about team. They're getting the media buzz. They're getting the hype. This is what we're looking at, right? And the Falcons are that kind of spot. And we've talked about this on the show where they've gotten blown out. They lost by 30 points, man. They've gotten blown out. Teams after getting blown out are hitting about 58% against the spread, um, you know, over the last uh, decade or so. That's about the best stat and trend that you're going to look at because they correct things. And that's a lot of uh, the market kind of dictates what's going to happen there. Well, now you add to it short week, you add to that rookie quarterback, you add to that, all of that. But I will say this, there's a lot to like about the Patriots here. Look, not only has Belichick's team won four straight, right? But they're 4-0 against the spread. They have just a tremendous 
plus eight against the spread on the seed. It's the best in the NFL, right, when when you're talking about that. The Patriots have won four in a row. They've also won on the road with a rookie quarterback. Everybody's going, well, you know what, rookie quarterback. Look, they've won on the road with a rookie quarterback. The Falcons have yet to win a home game. The Falcons lost perhaps their best player in Calvin Ridley a couple of weeks ago. And now Cordell Patterson is banged up and he's been their best player this year offensively. So there's a lot to like about the Patriots. Now, I will also turn around and say a lot of this is the defense for me. New England has 11 sacks. They've averaged two picks per game over the last four. New England's putting the pressure on. Judon looks like a new player. He looks like an absolute pro bowl. He might, might be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. And you're talking about a New England team that just found something offensively with Stevenson. You know, Harris was running the ball really well. Now you got Stevenson. All of a sudden, Belichick has a one-two punch. And we know how he loves to switch his quarterbacks up. I'm sorry, the running backs up. As long as he's got that stable quarterback. And Mac Jones is that. You know, Mac Jones right now, you're talking about rookie of the year conversation. You're talking about Mac Jones, maybe MVP conversation. I mean, that's really where Mac Jones is. So I can't look at him as a normal rookie because he's not put into spots like Fields, like Lawrence, like Burrow last year to kind of carry the team. He's not put into spots to be the only threat. No, no, no. Dink and dunk is what you're calling him. And that's how the negative people are going to talk to him about it. Oh, dink and dunk, dink. I don't care if he's dinking and dunking. It doesn't matter to me if he's dinking and dunking. What matters to me is that he's getting the job done and he is getting the job done. Patriots offensive line, by the way, right? They're only 19 in pass blocking grade. So their offensive line actually has a lot of improvement. But now let's blow this whole thing up, okay? Because I said there's a lot to like about the Patriots, but there's a lot that makes you a little concerned about the Patriots as well. And one of those concerns is laying more than a touchdown. Look, this is an offense that is still dealing with a backup running back as good as he looks, but they want to run the ball. When you run the ball, when you play good defense, when that is your MO, when that is your style of team, laying a touchdown or more is always dangerous. Because Bill Belichick, and I mentioned this uh, going into last week, Bill Belichick has the mindset. There are certain coaches. You know, Bill Belichick has this mindset. Zimmer has this mindset. Harbaugh has this mindset. If you run the ball, you play good defense, you're perfectly content with a three-point win. You know, you're Kansas City. Those three-point wins, people going, oh, what's wrong with KC? You're Dallas. Those three-point wins, you're going, ah, you know, what's wrong with the Dallas offense? Patriots win by three. You go, yeah, that's exactly how we planned it out. So the the number is big. Plus, it is on the road. Look, you could say Mac Jones is, is fantastic and he's been winning on the road. Yeah, he has. And he has been fantastic. And he is winning on the road. I'm taking none of that away from Mac Jones. But I will say this. I don't expect a rookie quarterback to consistently go on the road and win games. Matt Ryan has a little bit of a revenge factor in the back of his mind too, right? I mean, he doesn't like this Patriots team. He doesn't like Belichick at all. <laughs> and Matt Ryan has had success. Don't just look at the Super Bowl and go, oh man, they lost that huge lead. No, look at the Super Bowl and go, wow, Matt Ryan was going to win the MVP uh, three quarters into that, right? Matt Ryan did have a really good game. So it's something to watch out for. Mike Davis is coming back. Uh, All of a sudden, Gallman looked okay. Maybe they could find something with Pitts in a soft zone. I'm worried to take either team here. I think you have to lean the Patriots. I think the Patriots are the team that you look at and you go, you know, if there is a team I'm going to lay seven points with or seven and a half on the road right now, I'm going to take the hottest team in the league. I worry about the chatter. I worry that this is the week that everyone's caught up to the Patriots. I worry that all of a sudden the line is skyrocketed up to seven and a half. I do worry about that. But on the same respect, I got to worry about Atlanta. I'm very concerned with their injuries. I'm worried about what are they going to do without Cordell Patterson? Uh, I do worry about the idea, how can they possibly protect Matt Ryan with this pass rush and the way that it has developed? So, look, Thursday night, I'm leaning the Patriots, but probably a no play for me, just where it stands now. We're going to know a lot about the Patriots, though. And by the way, not only are we going to learn a lot about them, if they win, and if the Patriots turn around and go to 7-4, and four, they actually get more rest now because they play on Thursday going into Week 12. Patriots are a dangerous team. Patriots are getting dangerous. All right, let's talk about Saints and Eagles. This is on Sunday afternoon. And you look at the line, and the line is Eagles minus one right now. That is an important line. 
because the Saints as an underdog are fantastic this year. So make sure you look at that line. The Saints as an underdog are perfect this year, actually. They are 4-0 against the spread in 2021. They're 12-2 against the spread as underdogs. Okay, that is fantastic. Since 2018, when you're talking about, you know, that's a good chunk. Sean Payton as an underdog just cashes in. How about all time Sean Payton as an underdog? Yeah, he's 21 games over 500. 45 and 24-2 against the spread. When Sean Payton is catching points and people start doubting who Sean Payton is and people forget who Sean Payton is, all of a sudden, this team cashes. Now, I'm a little bit worried here and I want to give you this because Alvin Kamara missed last week's game against the Titans. Um, Trevor Simeon and Hill and whatever they're kind of throwing together, they've been okay, but I don't trust them without Kamara. If Kamara plays in this game and the Saints are an underdog, I am all over the Saints. The problem is, as it stands right now, we don't know. Now, the Saints are 4-0 against the spread in the last four games following a loss, so they usually bounce back as well. More to Sean Payton. As an underdog, he wins. Off of a loss, he wins. He corrects things. Eagles, they're 1-5 against the spread in the last six as a home favorite. And Jalen Hurts, you look at Jalen Hurts and, and you go, I think a lot of things have to kind of play off of him. He had one of his best days last week, but that's not saying a lot. Look, he was 16-23 for 178, two touchdowns and only one interception. And we're saying that's a good day for him. We're saying that was one of his best days. Now, this running attack with Howard, by the way, Miles Sanders, um, they opened up that 21-day window. He's probably not coming back for week 11, though. So you're going with Howard and Scott and Gainwell to try to do something. What I found last week, though, and I think that this really helps the Jalen Hurts situation, what I found last week was that Devontae Smith may be coming into his own. Now, I've been a fan of this guy uh, for a couple of weeks in fantasy, and in fantasy I've been talking about him, and he's just disappointed. Week after week, he's getting targets, eight, nine looks. He's only pulling down two, three. You know, there was one week I think he uh, had nine looks for 24 yards. I mean, that's that's just impossible. All of a sudden, they're going to try to open this thing up, and they're going deep. And look, the Eagles are not even out of a playoff spot. When you're talking about the five and four Saints, the Saints are going, yeah, we're still in this thing for a playoff. The Eagles are four and six, and they're going, yeah, we're not out of this either. Because after the big five in the NFC, it's wide open. So this is a massive battle, and the Eagles are at home. The Saints, though, they have no problem traveling. Because what travels well in the NFL? What travels well is defense. And this Saints defense is fantastic. So I think that this Eagles game comes down to the idea of, do they put Lattimore on Smith? Which I think that they're going to do. And if Lattimore is on Smith, I think he generally blankets him. So you have to find that secondary receiver. I don't think the Saints are overly worried about Howard in the running game. So you have to find that receiver. If they blanket down and completely cover Smith with Lattimore, and they're able to crack down on the running game, which I think that they're going to be able to at least slow it down. Who's their guy? Is it Jalen Rieger? I mean, really? Is it Dallas Goddard? Who I like, but he's a tight end. And that here is kind of the worry. But let me flip the script here. Because if the Saints don't have Alvin Kamara, who is they're all everything, I don't believe this Eagles team is going to let Ingram run wild on them. Now, he might have some success, but, but probably not. Which means you're leaving it in the arms of inexperienced and backup, just say call for what they are, backup quarterbacks. And let me say this, they're backup quarterbacks to a guy who was starting the year in Jameis Winston, who should be a backup quarterback. So they're like third string quarterbacks. You're putting it on them. And you're putting it on them with guys like Callaway. And you're putting it on them with guys like, uh, you know, uh, Devontae Harris and decent talent. But let's be honest, you're talking about third string quarterbacks, and I'm saying quarterbacks, Third-string quarterbacks throwing the ball to second-string tight ends and second-string running backs, right? Number two, not second-string, number two running backs. Their tight ends are backups. Their wide receivers are number twos on contending teams. They're number threes. And you have a backup quarterback throwing it to that. So this is a game where you look at and you go, who's going to find that playmaker? Who's going to find that avenue? And that is going back to what I just said. If Alvin Kamara plays in this game, I'm all over the Saints. I am all over the Saints because he will be the biggest playmaker on the field. He will be the guy on this field that you turn around and you go, okay, that's him. That's the guy. 
that's the guy that I'm going with. That's the guy that can make a difference. Now, real quick, before I go on to the other games, um, I, when I say that the the NFC has the big teams, look, Dallas is 7-2. and two. Okay, that's one of the big teams. Green Bay's 8-2, one of the big teams, right? Arizona, 8-2, one of the big teams. I'm putting the Rams there at 7-3 and three just because of their record, one of the big teams. And I'm putting the Bucs. I know the Bucs only have a one-game advantage over New Orleans, but I'm putting the Bucs there as one of the big teams. So give me the rest of the playoff teams. Is it 4-5 and five San Francisco? Is it 3-6 and six Seattle? 4-5 and five Atlanta? 5-5 five and five Carolina? 5-4 five and four New Orleans? 4-5 and five Minnesota? 3-6 and six Chicago? 4-5 and five Philly? So you see what I'm talking about. Look, there's nobody. If Philly wins this game, right now the Saints are in. They're in the playoffs. If Philly wins this game, they're in. Right? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. At 500, or a game under 500 they'll still be, they're still in. So the NFC is wide open right now as far as the playoff bros are concerned. I think it's very top-heavy. And you can make an argument out there for any of these teams. You want to argue to me that Russell Wilson's going to turn this entire season around at 3-6? and six? All right. I mean, that's a stretch, but I can't dismiss it. San Francisco looked really good. They're finally getting healthy. You want to convince me that at 4-5, and five, San Fran can get back into it? I'm going to point to the division and the schedule, but all right. I can't dismiss it. I can't dismiss the Falcons at four and five. I know that they beat up on bad teams, but at four and five, I can't dismiss them with a loss, maybe, but not right now. Carolina is five and five. They got Cam back. They got excitement back. They're 500. You can't dismiss them, and certainly not the Bucs who are in the position. I'm not even dismissing the Bears at three and six. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe they found some gold in Justin Fields. Maybe. Maybe they found some gold there. And that San Francisco loss, where he looked actually good, didn't, didn't seem so bad. So you look at the Bears. How about Minnesota? Four and five. Minnesota's four and five. Uh, they got components to make you scared. And then, of course, you got Philly. So, you know, you start to look at, and, and by the way, Washington and the Giants are both three and six as well. So if I'm talking about three and six teams, I got to put it in. Look, I think Washington, Giants, Bears, and Seattle, three and six are probably behind the eight ball. I think San Francisco's schedule is a little bit too much. I don't really believe in Atlanta, and I do think that they lose on Thursday night. Um, so you're talking about... Philly, Minnesota, New Orleans, Carolina, kind of battling it out. And, you know, I don't care what their record is under 500. It just matters. Do you squeak in? Do you squeak into the tournament is what we're talking about. Yeah, they might get destroyed by Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa, Arizona, the Rams. They might just get absolutely walloped by those teams when the playoffs come. But can they sneak into the field? I think the division's over for Philly, right? The division's not over for New Orleans. And I thought that that would be a lot bigger but the division's probably over. And listen, if Minnesota loses this week, which we'll get into, I think the division's over for them. But you don't have to worry about the division. Just worry about sneaking into the playoffs. Backdooring into the playoffs is still getting into the playoffs. So this is a very important game. I want to call this almost a playoff game. The Saints can lose and probably still convince themselves that, that they're going to get in, even with backups to backups and everything else. The Eagles, you know, look, with a win, they're right in this thing. With a loss, I don't think that you could convince yourself. Look, the teams that are three and six, you know, you go to, you know, you lose another game, you're done. You go to four and six, you're going to be in the same kind of position. I'm not sure. I don't know if this is an elimination game, but I think it'll feel like it for whoever loses the game. All right. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. We'll continue with the one o'clock games. We'll do all of that right after this right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, I mentioned him at the top of the show, Mac Jones. He is now moved from plus 350 to plus 125 to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's basically a two-man race at this point. Right behind him is Jamar Chase at plus 100. Or, you know, it's basically a coin flip on some sites where Mac Jones and Jamar Chase are one and one. And that is what are the odds. And it's getting a little interesting in the Rookie of the Year. You know, I I think a lot of people that had uh, Jamar Chase about two, three weeks ago were already basically deciding... What they were going to spend uh, their money on, right? I don't want to say Christmas because it won't be decided by then. But they were already spending their money 
Oh, oh yeah, well, we got this. Oh, yeah, we're nailing this. There's money in the bank. All of a sudden, here comes Mac Jones, right? I mean, here comes Mac Jones. All right, let's get into the Dolphins and the Jets. Yeah, neither one of these guys have uh, any faith in their quarterback. I mean, two has looked good at times this year, but the Dolphins are 3-7. and seven. They're a very disappointing 3-7. and seven. They open up at minus 2.5, and it's gone up to 3 very predictably. The New York Jets, they are a mess. So they drafted Wilson to be their guy. Wilson didn't look good, but look, Wilson was young, and then he comes to the podium, and he basically tells everybody, look, I'm young. I expected these struggles, right? Mike White comes in. Oh, he's got one good game. That's it. I watched New York fans wearing Mike White jerseys after one game. Mike White. The chance. Mike White. My J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets turned into Mike White. Mike White. We love Mike White, right? I mean, it was at, that's probably a terrible, terrible chance. But <laughs> they turned around and Mike White was the man. Last week, he got four interceptions against Buffalo. And now Mike White is benched. That's right. The very surprising move here. The Jets will start Joe Flacco uh, against Miami. Uh, Zach Wilson is not 100%. They're not going to rush this guy back. Great move uh, by uh, there. Uh, not, not a lot of times I can say great move by the organization. Flacco will be up against a very, very blitz coming or here we go, Brian Flores kind of defense. So maybe that's why he's in there. But there you go. Hey, hey, Jet fans, remember the Mike White era, which lasted two games and you guys bought jerseys? Because Mike White's done. That's it. Now, you can't only blame Mike White for the ineptitude. You can't only blame uh, the, look, the quarterback. The Jets are pathetic on defense right now. I mean, they are really, really bad. And they gave up 45 in back-to-back weeks. You know, 31, which was a good, that was a good game. They're 31 and then 56 before that. They're giving up 44 points per game over the last four games. Guys, 44 in an NFL, I, 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 I mean, environment is ridiculous. Ridiculous. 44. If you gave up half of that, half of that, you'd be considered, oh, you know what, you're a good defense. 44. Now, Miami has struggled as a road favorite, and they are on the road, and it is a division game, and they're on the road giving points here. Uh, they're 1-5 against the spread. And you can't have a lot of confidence in what Miami is, but I'm starting to feel like Miami is turning into what we believed that Miami was going to be, which was a really good defense, and they've been real good defensively the last two weeks, 19 points. And you look at what Miami, the talent-wise they have. Miami, at the end of the day, no matter what you think of what their terrible 3-7 and seven record are, here's what Miami does have. And then we'll go over what Miami doesn't have. What Miami does have is probably the best cornerback in the league in Xavier Howard. Okay? At least top five. They also have a pretty decent complementary cornerback skill-wise. He has not played that level this year in Jones. Okay, you can argue, and I did before the year, that they're the best one-two punch in the league at corner. So they have the talent to be there. You absolutely can see they have a first-round pick in Christian Wilkins who stepped his game up and could put pressure in the middle. Baker in the middle, the linebacking core. They have a defense that maybe we're not talking about top five, but I think they have the talent of a top 10 defense and the brain with Flores could push them into top five. That's how good Miami's defense can be. Offensively, what do they have offensively? Well, Mike Gazeki is like a you know, wide receiver. So he is a, just a very difficult guy to control and a very difficult guy to kind of match up against. And he's shown it. Although last week, no catches. In a win, but none. Jaden Waddle has proven that, you know what? This guy could do everything. He was supposed to be that just deep receiver, that Deshaun Jackson fly kind of guy. Now he's over the middle. He's catching passes. Waddle's the supreme talent. But that's kind of where it ends. And that's where the questions come in. I don't question Miami's defense. I think that their scheming was different. I think that they were frustrated they were on the field so much. Their offense is the problem. And while everybody points to Tua, I think Tua's looked good recently. I worry about their running game with Miles Gaskin, who's just not even getting his number called. Okay, so I don't want to blame him. Devontae Parker's out, so they don't really have a true number two. Fuller is still out, so they don't really have a true number one, really. I mean, Waddle has become the, the de facto number one. And while I like Williams and whatnot, it is Waddle and, you know, Gazeki. So they do have problems, but it's all a matter of do you believe that this defense has turned the corner? If I sat here in August and I told you that the Miami Dolphin defense would shut down the Jets in Week 11. You're going to go, of course they would. They're a top 10 defense, top 5 maybe. But because of what we've watched here, you go, 
yeah, you know what? I think they shut him down. I, I expect them to over the last couple of weeks, but there still is that doubt in your mind. Not that Joe Flacco scares me, but it's something to think about. All right, Panthers, Washington, Ron Rivera back against Cam. This is interesting. This is a storyline no one's talking about. Ron Rivera against Cam. The Panthers are three-point favorite. Um, I, I would feel a lot better taking Washington because my ori- original, when I saw the opening line, I was like, I don't care if Cam starts or not. doesn't matter to me. I'm all over Washington. But you turn around and you go, Chase Young is out. Uh, and Chase Young is their best player. He hasn't been playing like that. I told you I wanted to put him on a milk carton because he's been missing most of the year. But he's been playing well the last two weeks, and the Washington defense has been playing well the last two weeks. They don't do well as an underdog, though. They're 1-5 against the spread in the last six as an underdog. And Carolina, well, they're not much better as a home favorite at 1-6 and six against the mark over the last seven. So you look at uh, you know what the Panthers are and what Washington is. I don't know if we know. You know, I, I did say that I thought last week on this show, I said, the absence of Ryan Fitzpatrick might help Taylor Heineke because he's not he's not looking over his shoulder, right? He's not going, oh, oh when am I going to lose my job? Antonio Gibson coming back from a layoff would help that. He's got like he's playing with like a broken leg, right? So that would help him. He looked good last week with two touchdowns. You start to go, okay, there are some there's some light there at the end of the tunnel with Washington, but now with Chase Young going down, I can't fully be invested in them. Panthers. Well, McCaffrey comes back. Everybody expects him to be great. Now all of a sudden, oh, Cam's back. Here comes Cam. I don't even know if Cam's starting this game. So let's just put it an idea of where Cam is. Is he exciting? Can he get you goal line carries? Yeah, absolutely. Are the fans going to be pumped up? Oh, sure. They'll all be wearing their, their Cam jersey. Is he back? I'm back. I'm back. You know, after that touchdown, I said, here he is. Cam Newton running it in from five yards and getting an unnecessary 15-yard penalty. That's who they are. But it's the defense of Carolina that I, I'm worried about here because I thought that this was a top 10 unit as well. And Brian Burns is fantastic, and I love Chin, and, and you know Thompson is great, but I'm not positive that they could continue this against Washington, who looks like they're getting better. I would be all over Washington plus the three if Chase Young wasn't out. All right, here's another game, and I gave you the Bills last week. I absolutely love that game. I don't love this game now. Now, the Bills opened up at six. It's up to seven. It's up to seven and a half in some spots. I think that the Bills are the most talented team in the league. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I I follow teams that I like um, or have money invested on over the course of the season. I ask myself the question all the time. Would I change? You know, so the Bills lose to the Jaguars, and I came out here last week, and I said, I don't care. I, I don't care. It, it It's a fluke. I'm thrown in the garbage, not paying any attention to it. I don't care. I truly don't care. And they, they proved me right. So I look at my Super Bowl ticket that has the Buffalo Bills on it, and I gave everybody out there the Buffalo Bills on my Super Bowl ticket, and I go, yeah, I'm not changing. I still think the Bills are the best team in the league, but this right now is that statement game. You're at home. You're 6-3. and three. You're coming off of a loss to the Jaguars and a win against the Jets. I, I don't, after you lost to the Titans in a game you should have won and a bye week. It's been like a month since you felt a real good win. Don't tell me the Jets win is a good win, right? So it's it's been over a month since you felt a real good win. Can you get back to those winning ways? Into that thought. We beat a good team. Well, the Colts are a good team. They might be 5-5, five and five, but they're a good team. The Colts, they're also 4-0 against the spread the last four games coming off of a loss. This is a Colts team that need to run the ball. They're 5-0. and They're unbeaten this year when they run for 125 yards or more. They have not won a game when they get under that number. Now you go up against the Bills defense. The best statistical defense in the league. The Bills lead the NFL in yards differential. The Bills lead the NFL in points differential. The Bills lead the NFL in takeaways. The Bills only surrender about 90 yards rushing per game. That is third best in the NFL. So here it is, guys. This is the game within the game. But this is the game. If the Buffalo Bills can slow down or effectively stop Jonathan Taylor, they win this game. If Jonathan Taylor is able to control the ball, control the clock, keep Josh Allen off the field and those guys, well, the Colts are going to win the game. I'm going with the number that says, you know, the Colts do not lose when they rush for 125 and they do not win when they win. Look, five, five and five. Every win, 125 plus. Every loss, 125 or less, right? I mean, that's just as simple as that. So how much do you believe in this Bills defense to shut down the running game? I can tell you what. 
The statistics that I'm getting are not only what I'm getting. You know both of these coaches know that. And Reich is not going to go, you know what, ah, we're going to let Carson Wentz win it on the road in Buffalo. No. He's going to try to prove a point. He's going to try to prove we can run on you. And the Bills know that. The Bills are prepared for that. So I think that this all comes down to, we're going to talk about Allen and all that. No, no, no. This all comes down to, can they effectively run the ball? All right, let's talk about the, yeah, no 0-17 Lions. We won't have an 0-17 team against the 5-5 and Browns. Uh, Browns have looked bad, and the Lions have looked good, yet the Browns are uh, double-digit favorites here. Detroit, they're 5-4 and against the spread. Everyone keeps doubting them. They keep doing okay, right? And you look at the, the Browns. They've looked bad. 500 record after all of these years for Baker Mayfield. We still don't know what we have in him uh, from a, a perspective of a sports better. I have no idea what Baker Mayfield is. Baker has not won game. Look, he cannot win a game if his team is outrushed. Baker Mayfield has to rely upon a dynamic running game. And you can tell me he's still are injured. I get that. But now you're laying 10 points, and I get it. It's on the road. Here's why I don't jump all over the lines, which was my initial instinct. My initial instinct is this team plays tough. This plays, team plays good. I watched them have, you know, moderate, but okay, success against a good Pittsburgh defense. And remember, look, last week in the tie, they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger. I get that. But the thing that gets me here is that the Lions are ranked 30th against the run. And that's all Kevin Stefanski wants to do here. He might get Nick Chubb back. I don't even know if it matters if he gets Nick Chubb back or not. They are going to run the ball and run it and run it and run it and then run it some more. And the Lions have shown this year they do not have the ability to stop the run. So... I was going to jump all over the Lions. It's a double-digit favorite. It's a team that plays tough. It's a team that's been playing well. I can't do it because it wouldn't shock me if they just ran all day long. And I like teams that can run the ball effectively when I'm laying big money. Why? Because late in the game, you know what's going to happen late in the game? Oh, they're going to run the ball, and you still can't stop them. So they're not even trying to tack on points, and you still can't stop them. That's where I stand with that. All right, 49ers at the Jags. Here is a game where if you're a sports better, this jumps off the table and wiggles around for you because the Jags all day. That's what you should be thinking of if you're a professional sports better. Now, I'm not telling you that it will 100% count. What I'm telling you is there are situational spots that just make sense. Situational spots that just absolutely you, you, you just love everything that you're seeing. Unfortunately, it comes with the tag that this is the Jaguars, right? Uh, I mean, because you have the 49ers who were left for dead. The Niners were terrible. And what do they do? Oh, you know what? They go out there and they beat up on the Rams. They beat up on the Rams on Monday night on national TV at home. They beat up on a division rival, a division rival where they were the underdog. So an underdog against a division rival on Monday night in a spot where they finally kind of saved their season... All of this is emotion and short rest. And there's just so much there to go against that team. Then you go, wait a minute. They also have one of the longest trips that you're going to have to take in the NFL from San Francisco or Santa Clara to Jacksonville. Oh, that's another trend I love. And you're laying points. Oh, they're almost laying a touchdown. You have to love the Jags in this spot if you just took the name the Jags out of it. Problem is... The Jags' name is there. I will say this, though. You know, the Jags have been keeping games close. In the last five games against teams that, that aren't good, look, they get blown out by good teams. But in the last five games against teams that have a losing record, they're 4-1 against the spread. The Jags look good against Miami. The Jags look good against the Colts. The Jags look great against the Bills and came away with a win. So the Jags, this isn't a one-week thing. The Jaguars have looked good for a month now. I mean, that's reality. The Jags have looked good for a month. And they're catching points at home. The Jags are also, by the way, 12th in pass-blocking grade. Whoa, the Jags are getting some protection. If Robinson is able to play in this game, and Elijah Mitchell is out, and I'm hearing his finger, he's got a finger problem, he broke his finger, might be might need surgery, but they're saying he might be back at practice. I would not expect him 100%. I would expect this to be the Jeff Wilson show. And if it's the Jeff Wilson show with a little Trey Sermon on the side there, you start to look at this and you go, yeah, that's a lot, a lot more interesting than I thought. Because you have an injured player, that is your entire running game. They're not going to be able to run on this. 
And the Jaguars, for as bad as this team is perceived to be, and defensively for as bad as this team is perceived to be, guys, do you know that the Jaguars only allow 103 yards rushing per game? That's actually really good for a Jaguars team that's normally getting run on all the time. So every angle says the Jaguars. I can't tell you, look, that you have full confidence in taking Jacksonville because Jacksonville will defy the mold because they're so bad. But Jacksonville, guys, this is a real underdog. All right, let's talk about the Texans, Titans. I see a lot of people jumping on on the Texans here at plus 11. And I, I don't know if I could do it. Look, I think the Titans are vastly overrated. I don't love the Texans, but Tennessee is 5-1 against the spread over the last six. The Texans are 0-4 against the spread the last four road games. You got to go on the road here. This is a tough spot. It's a, it's a get-right game for the Titans. The one thing I will say is this. You have to be able to run on Houston. And if Derrick Henry was in here, I don't care if the line was like 14, I'd be taking it. Houston allows 137 yards per game on the ground. That's pretty much the only other team worse than them is the Chargers, right? So you could run all day on them. But the Titans, since Henry's gone down, they average 67 rushing yards. That's all. We continue to keep looking at Tannehill, waiting for him to wake up and step up. But this is a game where they need the running game. They need Foreman. They need Peterson. That's who they need to kind of get this thing done. All right. Packers, Vikings, well, you know, this is a big-time game. Packers are about a three-point favorite on the road, and everyone just expects Aaron Rodgers to be fine. I mentioned it last week after COVID. I don't know if guys are bouncing back right away. The Packers are 9-1 against the spread this year, and that is the best against the spread in the league. Minnesota, they're 5-4, and four, okay. But the Vikings are 1-7 against the spread the last eight home games. They don't play well there. And the Vikings are just a weird team this year. Can I just go out there and say, look, they've had a... Touchdown lead in every game they played this year. They're the only team to do that. But they've lost five of their games by an average of three and a half points per game. And every one of their losses has been decided by a touchdown or a score or less. I mean, that's unbelievable. So now you start to go, okay, well, I don't know what to make of this Vikings team, but they tend to keep things close. Well, Aaron Jones is out, but I feel perfectly okay with Dylan being in there. Dylan has been fantastic, and I like Dylan anyway. I've been making some prop plays on him, which I told you guys about. The Packers have won the last two in Minnesota, so it's not a problem there. Rodgers, though, for his career, is only 7-6. and six. I mean, this is a good battle between division rivals. I don't expect Rodgers to come out here and just absolutely light it up and, and fix everything, but it wouldn't shock me if he did. Ravens, Bears. Ravens open up as a six-point favorite. It's at seven in most places right now. They're 1-6 in the last seven as a, a favorite. And 0-4 against the spread against teams with a losing record. They don't get up for teams. And this is on the road. Um, I think we have to look at this and we have to ask ourselves, you know, the Bears, Justin Fields, did he find something? Did he fix something? Right? Now, Chicago's lost its last seven games coming off of a bye week. So the bye week doesn't exactly help them. But, you know, you start to break things down. There are concerns here. The Bears' offensive line is ranked 20th in pass blocking grade. That means Ravens could get into this. But the Ravens live and die on the run. The Bears will stop that. The thing is this. So do the Bears, and the Ravens will stop that. So who do you have more confidence in going through the air, Lamar Jackson or Fields? At this point, it's Lamar with, with, without a problem. Without a problem. Lamar Jackson has proven to be fantastic throwing the ball this year. Fantastic throwing the ball. Justin Fields, you know, not so fantastic. But he's looked good the last couple of games. So the question is, did he turn the corner? Did Justin Fields become that franchise guy? Did he become what the Bears fans were hoping for? Now, a lot of that right there, that question, isn't for this week's game. A lot of that is, look, the Ravens are a much better team. A lot of that is, what do we have in the future with Justin Fields? Not right now. And don't confuse your feelings about this week's game as opposed to the future. My my feeling for Justin Fields this week's game, I think he's going to struggle. I don't think that the Ravens are a good matchup for him. Um, I, I think he could have some moderate success. But I think he's going to struggle. My feelings about Justin Fields for the future now is very good. But that's into the future. With that said, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Bet to the future. Let's go bet to the future. All right, guys, look, 
We have a lot of chaos in the NFL. I've been talking about it, so let's talk about some of the chaos. And we have Super Bowl odds. Look, I mean, look, Detroit, Houston, Jets, Jacksonville, 5,001 or more. Washington, Giants, Atlanta, Chicago. Nobody believes in them at, a, you know, 1,000 or more. All right, we don't have to worry about them. 500 to 1 or more. Miami, 300 to 1 or more, Philly, Carolina. I just told you guys, they might be actually sitting around and in a playoff. You want to take a shot, 300 to 1? Nah, I don't. <laughs> How about Denver, Seattle, 200 to 1, if anybody believes in Russell Wilson. Las Vegas is 80 to 1. Cincinnati is 50 to 1. Same with Minnesota, Indy, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. Then we start getting into the teams that maybe people want to throw a couple shekels down and good get, get good odds here. New Orleans. Cleveland, who was a Super Bowl favorite before the year, and the Chargers are all 40 to 1. New England is 16 to 1. Baltimore, 14 to 1. Dallas and Green Bay are both 10 to 1. Arizona is 9 to 1. Tennessee is 8 to 1. The Rams are 7 to 1. Kansas City and Buffalo and Tampa Bay are all 6 to 1. And that is bet to the future. And guys, I don't know if you want to take a shot on that. I don't even see any value. I really don't. Um, so many teams are just colliding. I think a lot of people are going to run to the window and take a shot at New England at 16 to 1. I think I'd rather have Baltimore at 14 to 1 to be honest with you. And the Chargers at 40 to 1 are intriguing. So are Cleveland. I'm just not going to be the one to pull the trigger on those. I'm just not going to be the guy to go out there and take a shot at that. All right, let's get back into the slate of games. Let's talk about Bengals, Raiders. Look, the the Bengals are a team that I, I like but I think that we have to understand Joe Burrow's only played 18 games his career and you know, Jamar Chase is still a rookie, okay? So they're going to go up and down. Burrow is a top 10 graded quarterback. Mixon is a top 10 running back. Three offensive linemen might go to the Pro Bowl. Chase is good. Boyd is good. Uh, you know, Higgins is good. I, but they're 19th overall on average yards per play. It, it, it's weird. I mean, but I just chalk it up to them being young. They're a year early here. Burrow has at least an interception in seven of the last eight games. He's young. The Bengals, they are 4-1 against the spread in the last five after a loss. They're coming off of a little rest here, right? But they they had lost two straight before the bye week. They lost to the Jets and the Browns. And the Browns are not what we once thought. The Bengals also lost their safety, Brandon Wilson. He tore his ACL. So you start to look at the Bengals and you go, this makes a lot of sense to take them here, but it is on the road. And they are a young team on the road. The Raiders, meanwhile, you know, they got housed, okay? They got absolutely destroyed. And you can chalk it up to, all right, you know what? Kansas City found their rhythm. It's just one game. But they lost at home. They lost in Monday night. And this is a team that for the last two years have spiraled downhill at the end of the year. We cannot overlook that. So I don't feel comfortable in either one of these teams. Let's talk about Cardinals in Seattle. I can't talk intelligently about this team. Look, this podcast is usually out on a Thursday, okay? I don't know about Murray and Hopkins. And to me, you could say, well, they're probably looking better, but Arizona has a bye week next week. So why would you even rush one of these two back when you can give them two weeks extra? And at eight and two, you're not worried about anything. Russell Wilson comes back here and Russell looks bad, but you know what? Look, he's 15 and four in his career at home in November. He is at home. A little home cooking for a let Russ cook. That's what you're looking at here. And they only have one win at home this year. But again, that's for that reason. You can't really talk intelligently about this team or this game because I don't know how much Russ rushed things back to try to get kind of healthy. And I really don't know about Murray or Hopkins. I tend to think that they are ready to play. But because of the bye week, I don't know if they will play. Let's talk about Cowboys Chiefs. This is probably the highlight game of the day. And you're talking about the Chiefs being a three-point favorite. Oh, how how tides have turned, right? All of a sudden, Chiefs are back in it. Oh, they fixed everything. Here's the problem. The Raiders refuse to do what stops the Chiefs. And we know that. The two-deep, two-on-top safety zone, whatever you want to call it, is how the Chiefs are slowed down. They wouldn't do it. They played one. That, that's what they did. So now, all of a sudden, you come in. And you go, the Chiefs dropped 41 points. Patrick Mahomes passed for over 400 yards. Everything's fixed. I don't know about that. Dallas put up 43 against the Falcons. I feel good about them. Dallas is 8-1 against the spread on the season. Chiefs are 3-7. The Cowboys scored 35-plus points in 9 of Dak Prescott's last 14 games. They're averaging 6.4 yards per play. That leads the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys have a better offense than the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think we can argue that right now. I just gave you the stats. Okay? We're not living two years ago. 
Cowboys right now are the better offense in the league than the Chiefs. So let's talk defense. I can't even name a playmaker on the Chiefs that mean anything. I mean, Frank Clark's okay, right? Oh, you going Daniel Sorensen? Because Diggs is, uh, he can get picked on. And I expect him to give up some big plays, but he's also a playmaker. And you look at this team, they might have the number one and two players in the league, not only for defensive rookie of the year, but for actual defensive player of the year. So the Cowboys' defense is better. Now, coaching absolutely goes to the Chiefs, and home field advantage goes to the Chiefs. I think this is just one of those sit back and watch, you know, eat your popcorn and enjoy, but I do think the Chiefs are a little overvalued in this spot. But this is a an interesting game. Steelers, Chargers, night game Sunday night. Look, Steelers are, have a tie on their record, and you go, ah, oh, that looked bad, and that was terrible. But look, the reality is um, they didn't have Big Ben. And as bad as Big Ben is, they didn't have him. But now they might not have T.J. Watt. Now they might not have Joe Hayden. This is bad. You lose your best player, who is Watt. You might not have your quarterback. As bad as he is, he's better than what they put out there. And you might not have your number two cornerback. Chargers, meanwhile, they're at home. They're 4-1 against the spread after a loss. Right? The Chargers are looking like that team that may be getting healthy. But now you turn around and you go, okay, well, Bosa's out. Oh, so they're missing people. Another game, almost like the Cardinals game, where I don't want to dive in and speak intelligently about this game because there's too many moving parts. Too many guys are out. I lean the Chargers. They're at home. They're healthier. But I can't 100% say that. Why? Well, the Chargers have the worst rushing defense in the NFL and the worst rushing defense by like a 20-yard average. They get destroyed. And here comes Najee Harris, the best weapon that the Steelers have. They're going to ride him all day long. All right, let's go to Monday night. Here we go. Buccaneers hosting the Giants, 6-3, and 3-6. Three, three and six. How do you feel about the Bucs? Everybody's going, oh, you know what? They're, everybody stinks and Kansas City's terrible. Well, no one's looking at the Bucs with their three losses. Remember there was a prop play up early in the season if the Bucs would even lose a game this year. You know, I had them only losing three games all year. They've gotten three games now. Bucs opened up as a 12.5-point favorite, down to 11.5. Look, the Giants are... A fighting team, and they're off a bye week. Giants are five and four going against the spread. Bucks are only eight and one against the spread. Their last eight home games. All right, there, so they're back home. Back home. That helps. Five and one against the spread. The last six is a home favorite. Up, oh, they play well at home, and they are on Monday night. Now we can sit back and talk about, uh, you know, how bad it was last week. Tom Brady, five times in Tampa, has been held to no touchdown in the first half, and that happened last week. This is what we know. But since uh, you know you you want to bring up the Brady stuff. You're going to hear this a lot. Tom Brady's 0-11 against the spread in his last 11, you know, in prime time. Everyone's going to talk about the fact that Tom Brady can't cover in prime time. And everyone's going to kind of bet the Giants, which we already have seen. You know, I don't know if betting against Tom Brady on a Monday night where his team is starting to get healthy, coming off of a loss, is is going to be profitable long term. You can tell me he's 0-11 against the spread. That's fine. Okay, but it's still Brady, still the Bucks, And they're still in a position where if New Orleans wins during the day, they have to win this game to stay in first place. Like, I, I mean, this is an important game. This isn't a, a, a pushover game. This isn't a game. This is not a Giants team they're going to take lightly in any way, shape, or form. I will say this, though. Giants are getting healthy. Is there a possibility Saquon's going to be back? Kenny Galladay getting healthier by the day. Kadarius Tony's coming back. So their weapons are coming back. And look, since they were destroyed against the against the Rams and the Giants were, I mean, humiliated in that game. Since then, this team's played pretty well. Two victories over the Panthers and the Raiders, both impressive wins. And they almost beat the Chiefs, the team that everyone's now in love with. So the Giants seem to become that team that, you know, I wish they were playing anybody but the Bucks, and this week I'd be all over it. You have to you have to lean the points here. I don't think Brady loses the game. I don't think it'll ever be profitable to consistently bet against Brady. But the 0-11 against the spread on prime time is not because Brady's losing games. It's because the market is inflated to a level that is just rough. Opening up at 12.5 was an overinflation. That's why it's sitting here at 11. And you have to understand that. You have to understand what the public's going to do in a spot like that. All right, before we uh, close out the show here today... I do have three trends that I've been following, and I want you guys to pay attention. The Chicago Bears unders for the first half of the game. Uh, Rob Mish, our friend out there, actually wrote an article a couple of weeks back on on over the course of Nagy's career, Chicago first half unders have been great, and he tapped me for my insight on that. And 
I said, you know, a lot of it has to do with injuries and the older guys, Khalil Mack and Hicks and whatnot. These guys are often injured, but they're healthy for the first half. They're ready to go for the first half, and then the kind of the game wears them down. They're playing through injuries. So this is a trend that I'm watching, but I, I don't love as much as I have. I've made a lot of money on it so far this year. It's only gone under. Uh, it's only beaten me twice. So you're making money on this. The Bills against the Jets at the half last week was maybe the best bet I've ever made in my life. Because the Bills just set the NFL record for leading at the half going back to last year. 15 straight games they've led at the half. The Bills play really well coming out of that locker room. And look, it makes sense. Because Josh Allen and Dable have a one-two punch. Their mindset is just fantastic. And Dable's a good coordinator that puts things together the right way to succeed early on. And as soon as the coaching is there, boom, the Bills come out of the first half, and the Jets are absolutely terrible there. Robert Sala is just not an offensive coordinator. Robert Sala uh, is not a guy that I have any faith in as a coach, and now he's dealing with different quarterbacks. So they come out of the half flat. As a matter of fact, they've only scored in the first quarter in one game this year. I, I mean, they're, they're terrible early on. These are trends that you look at. You know, Bills at the half this week, uh, for the game, they're six and a half or seven-point favorites. For the half, you're laying three. You think the Bills are going to have the lead? You know, at the half, you're only laying three. How about the Jets? You know, if you don't love Miami and you think, you know what, maybe the Jets can hang close, you're only laying a point, point and a half with Miami at the half. They only got to be leading. So these are some trends that I'm looking at. As I've always said, trends are there for trends' sake, right? I mean, trends are trends. We know what they do. We know what they are. Uh, you don't have to follow them blindly. But those are three trends that I have been really doing a, a pretty good job on, and I've been having a good time with the trends. Um, I'm not following them blindly, but I have been making a lot of money on them, so I wanted to pass that along. And I did tell you guys last week that Bills, Jets, um, I, I mean, things could not have wound up better. I don't know if I've ever watched a team, obviously I haven't because it's an NFL record, just dominate the first half like the Bills have over the last year and a half. And I don't know if I've seen a more inept team in the first half than the New York Jets, who just can't even score coming out of the locker room. Now, Joe Flacco throws a little wrinkle into that, right? And I mean, it is Miami, but Miami's defense has been playing well. I'm going to tell you, out of these three trends, I think I'm going to be on all three again this week. I think I'm going to be on all three. The Bears trend scares me a little bit because I'm not sure of Justin Fields and who he is, but that line is sort of rising to a point where I might jump on it. I'll take a stab at the Bills at the half. But that that Miami at the half beating up on the Jets makes a lot of sense to me. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Catch me next week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.